Hello, my friends, and welcome back to not only Fandom Talk, your favorite podcast out there, talking about all things comics, movies, video games, and pretty much anything else that we love to talk about, but also the best segment of Star Wars podcasting you're going to hear pretty much ever, honestly. Pretty much ever. No, not, not really, but still. Star Wars, the EU or EU review. Today, we are starting a very, very special new segment of the EU or EU review. The special event, the Hotter Than Mustafar Summer. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, it's so hot. Too hot. Too hot. Ugh. I'm so hot. (laughs) As you can hear, you already know my voice. I'm the editor-in-chief, Jacob Vance Hardesty, talking all things Star Wars. We've also got the ever-stupendous, magnificent Red Lanyard, better known as Al. Al, how you doing today, man? I'm doing... I'm doing all of those adjectives you used <laughs> to describe me just now. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm ready to talk about some some hotter than Mustafar action. Oh, which, hell yes. Which is not a sexual thing, everybody. Yeah, so no, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Just calm down out there. That sounds awful. Honestly, <laughs> 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 the hotter, <laughs> hotter than Mustafar thing sounds like um sounds like a dish you would order at like an indian restaurant yeah actually yeah it just sounds very I, spicy sounds yeah. very I'd, very hot I'd order it. and i'd be and like boy, you know, let's, let's try it out but I mean, boy everybody everybody this series is going to be spicy and hot so <laughs> so get ready well today since we are, uh, since, I need to explain the event. Since we were obviously talking about the hot of the Mustafar summer, we can't be talking about any other character except for the one who has felt the heat of Mustafar more than anyone else, Darth mm-hmm. Vader himself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we are covering three different comic book storylines that have happened uh, since 2015. These are all canon. And uh, personally, they are three of my absolute favorite Pretty much Star Wars comics ever, honestly. Like, oh man, I can't, I can't. August is my favorite. I, I can, I'm so excited. I can, I cannot wait for that one. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad we could do that on my birthday month. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but first off, before, before we get there, we have got to start on the prologue. We got to start in the beginning. And so today we are talking about Star Wars Darth Vader issues number one through twelve by Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca. This is also for those of you reading in trade paperback forms, this is all about Darth Vader Volume 1, which I think is just called Vader, if I remember correctly, right? Yep. Yeah. And then Volume 2 is... It's called um, Shadows and Secrets. Shadows and Secrets. Thank you. Thank you to, to the man who's been reading in trades, and I'm the one who's been reading in singles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With the power of, of both of us combined, we keep the comic book industry afloat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And real quick on that note, before we get into this, guys, go check out your local comic book store. Go 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 say hey. You know, just go see what they've got. Maybe, maybe buy a couple things. You know, just go talk to them. See, see what they're up to. Because we love comic books and we love the local comic book stores, we always want to keep supporting them. So, yeah, 
go do that. Go go talk, go read uh, some comics. Go buy some comics. Hey yes, Jacob, sir. before we get too far into this, um, is there anything comic book related going on with us that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh goodness. Well, since we since we did already bring it up, I suppose we need to talk about the other new segment that we have been launching, which is called Brothers with Issues, uh, featuring me and Josh, better known as the Wise Sage. We're going to be talking about a lot of different comics like we've got a couple different things planned but pretty much for the rest of this year we're going to be focusing on the two major event comics from marvel and dc uh first up is dark crisis from dc and then starting i think late july like mid to late july is going to be mm-hmm. judgment day which is all about the avengers the x-men and the eternals oh, yeah. um and if you know anything about Josh, you know that his main thing that he's hoping for is that the Eternals just die. Um, so if you're if you're an Eternals fan, I'm not sure how how much you're going to enjoy uh, some of his commentary on it. But um, but yeah, because Josh just wants he just loves the X Men. Um, but which honestly I do too. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that's absolutely understandable. Who doesn't love the X Men? Um, but yes, with that. We, we have launched that. The first episode came out as of this recording this past week. Um, and we would love to have you all listen to it and let us know what you think. And feel free to follow along with the different comics. Or if there's something that you're not picking up and you want to know a little bit about, um, you we can do that too. Um, if there's anything that you guys are wanting us to you know, talk about, since we do get so many comics a month. Like, we get a lot. So feel free to let us know if there's anything that you guys want to know about. Um but if it's if it's involving if it's already involved in Dark Crisis or Judgment Day, then just a heads up. If it's on that checklist, we're we're getting it, uh, and we're we'll be talking about it over the coming months. So, yeah. yeah. All right, <clears throat> jumping right in, Alfred. If I remember correctly, you have said that this is your favorite Star Wars comic before, correct? I have said that, and and you know what? After rereading it, um. I still stand by that, and I think, I mean, it's it's up there as far as just, like, in general, just comics that I've read, as mm. far as, like, um, as far as, like, entire runs that individual um, authors and writers have done um, on comics. Like, it's, I mean, it's up there with, like, um, Slot and Conway Spider-Man runs i mean it's mm. it's up there with stuff man it's it's Damn. a really it's a really good story it's a really good story they got on their hands yeah i mean i um i definitely can't disagree with you because it is it is utterly fantastic um by the way guys if if we did not mention it earlier we are going to be talking about full spoilers so if you are planning on reading these books uh feel free to pause this right now go check those out and come on back to us we'll we'll be here um but we are just going to jump right in. Al, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little synopsis of what's not necessarily of the story itself, but like where where is Vader? Where where is Vader personally at this at this point in the timeline? Vader is wherever he needs to be because he is Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> but um, no, so um, so we find Vader. We find our um, our main character i don't know what um i don't know what else to call him in the context of his own comics um but um if he's a protagonist if he's a if he's a hero if he's an 
anti-hero if he's a villain of his own story. But I mean, um, we find Vader. Works. Yeah, yeah. We he's find Vader. Yeah. Uh, my protagonist here. Um, um, this is taking place um, just after the destruction of the Death Star. Um, this is taking place after um, the events of A New Hope, um, essentially. Um, and Vader has kind of found himself um, in kind of a precarious situation. Um, by all accounts, he, he dropped the ball as far as um, stopping the Rebels, as far as protecting the Death Star. Uh, we start to see him kind of flounder a bit and start to kind of fall out of favor um, with Palpatine a bit. Um, a really strong overarching theme in this run highlights just kind of the growing tension in the relationship between Vader um, and Palpatine, uh, which I find fascinating. So we have Vader. We have Vader kind of in one of the more kind of dishonorable states that he finds himself in um, as far as his service at the Empire, as far as um, his his reputation goes his reputation is kind of taking a hit and on top of that we also find him in a bit of a state of fascination with this rebel pilot that he has encountered um who blew up to um who blew up the death star um who we all know to be um luke skywalker um what? Uh, yeah, um, boy, if <laughs> if Vader was in this room right now, he'd lose it. Uh, <laughs> I just I just threw the whole thing open. We can just skip the first six issues of this comic, um, which we won't. But um, um, yeah, he finds himself in kind of this state of fascination, of of kind of growing obsession, if you will, about who this pilot is. Um, he felt um, the presence of the Force with this pilot. He felt it to be very strong with him. How else would he have been able to um, evade the Imperial forces and and get just the exact precise shot to um, destroy the Death Star um, and escape? Um, so we find Vader in kind of an interesting situation where at the beginning of this run, Vader is very much being kind of... Um, kind of defined by these two figures in his life, right? He's kind of defined by the growing tension and disfavor and challenge that he's um, encountering uh, with Emperor Palpatine. And he's also encountering um, and being defined by this really um, strange and mysterious rebel who... um, has evaded him, who has kind of thwarted the Empire's plans, and he wants to kind of understand who this is and why he felt such a connection with them in the first place. So we so we certainly find him in kind of an odd spot. We find him in a place that we aren't really used to thinking of Darth Vader um, as, as being in, uh, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> it, it's really interesting because, you know, everyone keeps talking, and I, I, I don't know if you've heard this. I'm sure you have, but everyone keeps saying they could give Vader a solo movie. Um, 
I'm convinced those people did not read these comics. Um, because cause the thing is, is like if you to for me, <clears throat> from a canon standpoint, if you do a Vader solo film, I need these comics to be adapted to them. Yeah. Um, unless you do something before this, like um, unless you're doing something uh, in between episodes three and four. Um, because because to me, like everything that happens in these, it, it fits perfectly. We've I know Josh has made the statement before. Like, although we love the character of Ahsoka um, and, and, and let me rephrase, he loves the character of Ahsoka. He struggles with turning his brain with basically turning that part of his brain off that says uh, that Anakin or Obi-Wan or anyone else should have mentioned her in Revenge of the Sith if she was that important during the Clone Wars, which I can understand where he's coming from. But it's one of those things where it's like I am willing to turn my brain off just to say that we get a soak more Ahsoka content. Um, but with these comics, it's almost like it's almost like they were trying as hard as they possibly could to not only tell the best story they could, but fit them so well within the films that they're working on. Um, even in the modern, even in the, in the newer lineup where it's all in between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi with Greg Pox stuff. Um, but Gil and LaRocca, they just, they like, like you had, you'd mentioned, you know, the tension between him and Palpatine, which I think, I think is probably my favorite part of this book, honestly. Um, but they nail so much about that relationship. They nail so much about who Vader is. Um, <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's just perfect. Um, but, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit um, because you did mention how fascinating it is. And I'm curious your thoughts on it. Talk to me a little bit about, Pal about Palpatine at this point. Um, and what do you think about his relationship with Vader um, throughout this book? Ooh, yeah. So it's coming so, right in. <laughs> yeah. So I think I've talked about it. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the show before, um, or at least our, EU or EU adjacent episodes. I've talked about it before. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Palpatine outside of his role in the original trilogy. Mm. Um, I think um, him showing up in Rise of Skywalker was insane and didn't add anything at all to the <laughs> to, to that story being told. Mm. And um, um, and like while uh the character is handled fine in like um uh, the clone wars and like the prequel films and things like that um i just i've always thought of palpatine as in terms of the original trilogy as being the character he needs to be he is the ultimate evil in the background who's <clears throat> pulling the strings um and trying to make him into anything greater than that and trying to, to make him into anything more than what he is to to Vader especially um, is where his character to me kind of falls apart um, so um, it makes perfect sense that I actually really enjoy the Palpatine bits we get in this comic because it's all about how he relates to and how he treats um Darth Vader um, because we see very quickly um Palpatine is not happy 
at the loss of the Death Star, um, which is understandable, right? He's a little upset. Uh, <laughs> he's a little bit upset. He's a little bit of a grump. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and so he's very displeased with that loss. He's very displeased with Darth Vader basically allowing that loss to happen since Darth Vader was the one um, there who was supposed to be um, in charge of protecting it, in charge of thwarting the Rebels' plans. Um, and so we see over the course of this comic, even just over the course of, the, of these two volumes, we see Palpatine do a couple of things. We see him do a lot of things for a couple of reasons, right? Almost everything Palpatine does is meant to both challenge and test Vader to kind of push him um, more and more to be the kind of perfect apprentice and the monster of the galaxy that Palpatine desires him to be. And he's also doing things for the purpose of trying to ensure that his own power and his own status um, is as long-lasting as it can possibly be, right? Um, Pretty much everything Palpatine does in this story, even beyond these two volumes, comes back to testing Vader and trying to ensure that he has contingency plans for every possible outcome. Uh, that's what Palpatine is all about. Uh, that's what we see in Palpatine, even in in Return of the Jedi, with him trying to to put um, Vader and Luke at odds with each other, just to see who will come out on top, just to see who can give him the greatest promise of power and longevity. Um, so we see Palpatine be this super a manipulative person. And again, it kind of, everything about Palpatine in this series kind of perfectly relates um, back to some of the frustrating things I find about Palpatine that at the same time make his character work so well, if that makes sense. I know that sounds like a very contradictory statement Mm -hmm. but what i mean by that is that is that palpatine in broad strokes in the big picture palpatine is probably the most successful sith as far as as far as accomplishing what he set out to accomplish i mean he destroyed the jedi order he brought the entire galaxy under his rule and command like, as far as Sith ambitions for power go, Palpatine is kind of the man. But that's almost at a paradox, because according to tradition and what you expect a Sith to be, Palpatine is a horrible Sith Lord. Uh, <laughs> Palpatine is just like, oh, Darth Bane who? And just has just apprentices just flowing out from under his robes. Like, like, is Palpatine really a Sith Lord or is he 18 apprentices in a trench coat? Um, <laughs> and, and we see that come up here. We see that Palpatine has commissioned Imperials and freelancing scientists and all kinds of secret projects 
to make sure that he has a contingency plan, to make sure that he has as much power and outlets for power that he possibly can. This is where the twins come up. This is where um, all of Silo's uh, um, elite team of possible apprentices come up, which I'm sure we'll get into more as we go on. But um, this is what Palpatine does. Uh, Palpatine flouts ideas of tradition and the way things are supposed to be while still playing on the things that have been proven to work as well. So that's why he, he manipulates and he pushes his apprentice so far because he knows that that anger and that his contentment is what is going to keep his apprentices in the dark side. Um, and so we see both of these aspects of Palpatine at work because, again, he's all about self-preservation and longevity and preserving and expanding his power by any means necessary. But at the end of the day, he also knows that, hey, probably my best bet is always going to be Vader. I need to to develop and improve and push Vader as much as I can to make sure that if he's my best bet, he's the best bet that he can possibly be. And so we see that kind of a duality with Palpatine's character. And again, still satisfying that role of kind of being in the shadows and being kind of the puppet master of everything going on. Um, so I think he's used to really great effect in this story as kind of like, you know, he's the bad guy in a story of a lot of bad guys. Um, he is still the one who really kind of fuels Vader. And we get a really interesting look into how Palpatine works on kind of a, like a logical state, uh, which is really interesting to see. Yeah, I um <clears throat> I'm I'm right along with you that this is the I like him in the prequels. I think he has some fun moments. Of course, I he he's probably one of the most quotable characters in the entire trilogy. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, he is the same. You know, <laughs> you know. Um, but all the same, like my to say that I enjoy his appearance in in something would really just be, like you said, probably Return of the Jedi and really probably this comic. Um, you know, just because he, like you said, he he has such an interesting relationship with Vader. And I've noticed, I don't know if you if you had read this, um, but there's a book called, it, it was one that, that we all, I think it was on one of our list for when we were first setting up this first year of EU or EU, um, where... It was. It's called Dark Lords of the Sith, and yeah. it it also goes into the storyline, or really the the relationship between Vader and Palpatine, um, a little bit earlier, if I remember correctly, because I think it's a bit closer to Revenge of the Sith. Um, but it almost seems because like that book came out, I think in like 2016 or 2017. So it almost seems like they were really trying to work towards, um, towards this idea. And really just solidify, Vader cannot stand Palpatine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like that is like that is where they are at. And I think that 
I don't know. I always went when I, I remember being a kid and watching the films for the first time. You know, and, and I will readily admit, don't don't ask me when it happened. Don't ask me where I was or how I watched them. I, I don't remember not knowing the the story of the original trilogy. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like I, I I feel like I feel like my family was playing it like above my crib, um, because it's just it's it's almost in it's almost bred in me. Um, but I remember just constantly thinking that you know, especially during the first two films, um, going over to really over Vader and Palpatine as as characters. I, there was never a point where I looked at Vader as a sympathetic character. There, there for some reason, there was never a point where I where I looked at Vader as Anakin. Um, I always had this really. I, I always had this almost disconnect. The way the way uh, similar to how Obi Wan describes it to Luke um, of Vader destroyed Anakin, and mm. so until you get that finale in Return of the Jedi. There was always a mental part of me that just never had that mentality of this is someone to sympathize with. This is someone to to have empathy for for the things that they have been through. Um, it was very much a Luke is the hero. This is the villain. You do not like this guy. That's kind of where I was. Um, this book. And, and I mean, of course, in the prequels do this as well. But this book, and I would say the Rebels season two finale, um, changed that for me in a lot of ways. Um, because, particularly more with Palpatine, with this obviously, of that's where you really start to see that Vader was manipulated the entire time. Like you, you obviously see that, you know, in the prequels and everything. But it doesn't. It never really connected with me until like the ending of of issue six, um, which mirrors issue six of the Star Wars book as well, which we had talked about um, back in Mar March April March because it was during Comic Fest. Yeah. Um, but in this one, they I, I think it's handled a little, just a little bit better, um, and that's nothing against John Castay, nothing against J uh, Jason Aaron, but. Salvador La Roca is able to draw all these memories from episode three. And, you know, it's, it, it, it pulls at you. And, and, and it's, and like I said, it was one of those first, it was one of those first instances where I wasn't looking as Vader, just as Darth Vader. It was one of those instances where I was looking as Vader, as the fallen Jedi, as, as Anakin Skywalker turned. You know, and, and and I know that sounds weird, and I know there's probably a lot of people that are like, "Why?" That, that's a weird way to look at Vader. But but seriously, that that's just always the way that I viewed him until this book. Um, and and the thing is, is that right after he hears about it, the first thing he does is he talks to Palpatine, and the last thing he says is, "I understand." I, how does he word? It? I think he says, "I understand us precisely." Uh, or something so, so, so to the something to that effect. Or I understand this com completely. Um, yeah, no, and I understand this precisely. That's that's such an interesting like that's such an interesting way to think about it. In that you know, for the next three years, basically, like he is he is doing nothing but trying to get, but effectively trying to get to Cloud City. 
lot like when, when you when you really start thinking about about Empire Strikes Back, because um, that's because that's another thing where like as I've gotten older, you start to notice you know small subtle things and in, in films that you've you know watched your entire life. He's being genuinely sincere. He's being one hundred percent sincere on Cla- and uh, and and Bespin. Like when he when he says, "Join me, we'll rule the galaxy as father and son, and we can overthrow the emperor." I truly believe that he is that he he wants that. Like it's not a like I'm going to turn him over to, to Palpatine like as soon as I can. You know, it's it is a I want to do this with you, and 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 it's it's something I've always wanted. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's just such an interesting concept to look to dive into that, and and really gives you another way of lo- of of rewatching the scene in Return of the Jedi when it's finally you know for the past at that point twenty four years you have controlled my entire life, and now you are threatening one of the few things that I have of the woman that you basically killed, uh, which. There is a theory. I think there's a theory, or someone said that that was a thing that he used the midichlorians. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna bring it up. He apparently used the midichlorians to kill Padme. Um, oh I, god! He, oh god! He used the M word. <laughs> 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 um, I'm iffy on that. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I that know. is, that is one of that and the whole like in. Accurate conception of Anakin Skywalker through through the force astral projection of Palpatine are are two of the things that I feel the opposite as I feel about this comic about. I, I hate those things about Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be happy if if everybody, if George Lucas, if if Filoni and Favreau, if Kathleen can everybody just came out and was just like, we that will never be a part of canon anymore. <laughs> uh, you do know that, that the Immaculate Conception is part of canon though, right? Yeah, that's why I want all of those people to come out and say, <laughs> "Hey, actually, guys, we apologize. We're sorry." Um, but I, I don't think killing Padme is part of it, though. I, I don't think that's sufficient. I could be wrong. <laughs> It'd just be uh, great, especially if Kathleen, if Kathleen Kennedy was just kind of like, you know what, that whole immaculate conception thing. Um, especially after Rise of Skywalker really doesn't make sense. So we're just going <laughs> to... <laughs> so we're just going to forget that. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I mean, that really doesn't make sense in Rise Okay, anyway, no, you, nope. you're, you're right. You were <laughs> absolutely correct, doesn't. though. <laughs> it really doesn't, though. Um, man. Um, I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do this. <laughs> I do Once this I said midichlorians, it all went downhill. And honestly, I don't blame you. <laughs> Gosh, that's like the FBI activation phrase for Star Wars fans. <laughs> he said midichlorians, get him. We t- Take we turn this into thing the- off Spotify. We uh, all turn into t- we all turn into a Manchurian candidate every time someone says midichlorians. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> like I said, um, Return of the Jedi. Yes, at the end of Return of the Jedi, you have you are now destroying or attempting to destroy the one thing that I have left of the woman I love, or one of the few things at, at that point. Because yeah, he, he, I don't think does Vader ever know that Leia is his daughter. 
I know he knows that there is a sister, but I don't, I don't know if he ever knows. I don't think he ever mentions. Yeah, I don't think so. Gotcha. Huh. That's kind of interesting. That's kind of an interesting thing, too. Yeah. But anyways, um, but 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 that's that's what I'm getting at, though, is like he's he's like, you're destroying the one thing that I still have of Padme. And because of that, now I'm just done. I'm completely done. I'm turning. I, I don't care what happens to me after this. You know, and I don't know. It's just it's one of my it it adds so that's the best part of comics like this is when it adds to my enjoyment of watching something that I've always loved my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if, if if a Star Wars comic can make me enjoy something that happens later even more because of my as we have are now calling it my grand canon, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's. That's important, and that's what what makes these comics work. Um, but there are other characters that show up in this, Al, because those are really – because, I mean, honestly, like, yes, we get the cameo of, of Boba Fett um, the same way that we that we do in the first uh, – in the first Star Wars trade uh, from Jason Aaron. Um, it's a little bit – like, you actually see, like, Darth Vader hiring him, and so it's a little bit different, but we get the majority – of it as the same. Um, however, there are other characters in this that either are small parts in the movies or they are not in the movies yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next one we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you about is one that I'm hoping just praying shows up soon because I, I want her in a show or a movie so bad. Al talk to me about Dr. Kelly Afra. Ooh, Dr. Afra, yeah. So I feel, I don't know, I feel kind of unqualified to talk about Dr. Afra just because I know that she's, like, arguably Josh's favorite Star Wars character. And, she, so, I feel, <laughs> and so I feel like I'm just not going to do her justice the way I know that Joshua would. But um, I'll try my best. Um, yeah, so Dr. Afra, think of Dr. Afra, everybody out there um, who is who is unfamiliar with this character, think of her as like a Star Wars version of like an underground Indiana Jones. Yeah. Right? Um, which like, if that doesn't sound awesome to you, if that doesn't get you just a little bit hype, then this is not the show for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you may just need to find a different Star Wars podcast to listen to. Uh, <laughs> because this is not the last time Dr. Afra is going to show up on the show. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> but um, Dr. Afra is great, right? Um, Dr. Afra, she goes on to have her own um, very long, still ongoing series of comics. Yep. Um, uh, which are what I've read. Um, it's really good. Um, I haven't read all of them yet. Um, I need to. I know they've compiled that first run from A New Hope to Empire Strikes Back um, of Dr. Afro Comics into one very large um, imbus, and I need to just break down one day and buy that because it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, but um, she's great. She's awesome. And she becomes kind of this, 
um, this contractor, kind of this freelance um, adventure archaeologist, which is a cool term. Um, that's what I would have wanted to be growing up if I had known that was a thing. Um, <laughs> this kind of um, adventure archaeologist who gets um, privately and kind of secretly hired by Darth Vader um, to help him um, secure things that he needs, right? Because he's kind of fallen out of favor with Palpatine. Um, so Vader is kind of just like, I need to get my own stuff. I need to establish my own um, supply of troops. I need to establish my own means and funds to use outside of just whatever Palpatine decides to give me through the Empire. I need to get my own stuff, right? I need to be my own man. And so to help him with that, he hires Dr. Afra because Dr. Afra is very good at finding um, very um, powerful things and people and places. And um, she has this really great skill at being able to identify potentially really useful yet kind of obscure kind of um, software or technology, which allows her to um, activate for Darth Vader's use, um, a protocol droid and an astromech droid, or as she describes it, a blastromech droid, um, mm -hmm. who are basically C-3PO and R2-D2 um, if they were like sadistic psychopaths, yeah. which is both, which oscillates between being hilarious and terrifying yep, throughout this absolutely. comic book. Um, it, it's incredible. So, so Dr. Afra, to emphasize how interesting of a character she is and to em emphasize how important she is in this series, um, some of my favorite things that happen in this comic happen with Afra as the, like, activating agent, Right. So um, this comic does a really, really good job of building up the Star Wars, the, the Star Wars world um, outside of just like the um, the ten characters we've come to know and love. Sure. So um, so through Doctor Afra, you discover these smaller side adventures and these um, folks in the. Uh, criminal underground of the Star Wars world. Um, and it really paints a fascinating picture of how society really, um, how it works um, under the Empire. Um, because one of the first, it's incredible, one of the first things they do together, uh, Vader and, and after Vader is just like, hey, I need my own force of troops. And Dr. Afra is just like, well, you know what? Let's go on this little side quest together where we find like a, a crazed, um, horribly traumatized, horribly terrifying um, Geonosian broodmother who is trying to create old specs of battle droids as a stand-in for the almost exterminated Geonosian race. <laughs> and Invader is just like, okay, let's do that. 
and they just go, <laughs> and they just go do that. Um, there's this really interesting character who you meet, um, I believe in volume two, um, called the Ante, and the Ante is basically like a shadowy um, info broker in the Star Wars world who just has like vast amounts of info about everybody in the galaxy at his fingertips. And so you go to him and you pay him exorbitant um, prices for this information and he helps you out. Um, and like the ante is fascinating. I hope the ante shows up in one of these shows on Disney plus because, <laughs> because it's just Afra brings you through smaller parts of the star Wars world that make it feel so much more alive and so much more realistic almost in a way. Because one of the main complaints I've heard from people about some of um, the Star Wars stuff that's been coming out is that everything is just about the same group of like five to ten characters. And I and like I get where people are coming from with that. I love those five to ten characters, so I'm okay with all those stories. Fair. But I do understand where people are coming from with that. And Dr. Afra just takes that and is just like, hey, here's this whole side of how the world works under the Empire. And like it's crazy and it's wild and it's terrifying and it's super interesting to see that kind of underside of things um and so she's just this really great character and, and one of my favorite things about her as well is that afra is 100 percent the entire time she's 100 percent self-aware of what her situation is right yeah like she understands the role that she is playing um in Darth Vader's story, which I think is really, um, it's really cool. It's really, it's really an interesting part of her character is that she has no illusions that this is her story. Um, and so she like, uh, um, there's a scene um, early after uh, they first worked together where she's just like, hey, when the time comes where you need to kill me because I know that's going to happen. I want you to do me the favor of killing me fast. Like, I want it to be clean, and I want it to be a surprise. Like, I want to go fast, because I know the day is going to come where you don't have use of me anymore. Um, and, like, that's such an interesting part of her character, because you almost also get this sense that, yes, she's she's a criminal she does a bunch of this stuff with like various criminals and she's very much a fixture of of the criminal underground in star wars but like you almost get the feeling that like she also kind of does believe in the empire um there's a part of her story that she um, shares at one point in uh, these two comics where she explains that, you know, her family were victims of the Civil War. Um, um, she lost a lot of people due to just the chaos that comes from war. And you see this side come out of her that a part of her 
does kind of appreciate the order that something like the Empire offers. And so <laughs> you see this come about her where she has an admiration for Darth Vader, um, not just because he's he's this powerful dude who's able to do whatever the situation requires him to do, but because she realizes that like, hey, there's like something out there bigger than myself. And like, while she wants to live and she wants to sur survive and experience and live out her life, she still is able to acknowledge that like, hey, this isn't all about me. And if Darth Vader is as capable and competent of a leader as he seems to be, then I kind of do believe in what he's trying to do. Um, and that's really interesting to me. I've said for a while, we need a lot more characters who believe in the Empire who aren't just evil assholes. Like, we need, <laughs> we need, we need people who believe in the Empire for, for a reasonable causes, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. we need to see that part of the story being told. Uh, that's one of the big critiques I would actually launch against a lot of the content we'd be getting. As much as I like the content, just about every Imperial sympathizer we've seen um, has just been an has just been an evil, scummy person at the end. Yeah. And Afra kind of shows the complexity to that. Like, no, the Empire isn't perfect, and she's gonna do her own thing within it. Like, she has reason to believe that the Empire and the order that it offers is way better than the chaos of what she had kind of grown up under. Um, I know I went a lot of places with that, and I apologize, but <laughs> um, these these few stories of a comic that is not about Dr. Afra do a lot <laughs> for her character to make her really yeah. interesting. No, no, you were... You are perfectly fine, man. Especially because I'm, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to take you a pl couple places. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Stay with me, okay? Because, because what you said about the empire does intrigue me, and does intrigue me, and I, I, I think you're onto something there. But I want, but there's an episode of Star Wars Rebels, okay, where Agent Callus and Zeb get stuck together on. One of the moons of Geonosis, which is basically an, yeah. an ice moon, okay, um, and it's hands down one of the best episodes of the series, um, particularly because, I mean, of course, I, I don't want to spoil what happens later with Callus and everything for for characters, but it, it it is the perfect lead up to everything else that follows his character arc from there. Mm -hmm. um, but Callus is also a character, like you said, where you you almost begin to understand why he was with the empire. Um, and that it was one of those situations where he wasn't with the empire because he was evil and because he wanted to, you know, rule the galaxy together with the, with the empire. It was more so because he understood, like you said, the order of things and he was, and for, we don't really get a whole lot of his backstory. We, we might later. I'm, I'm rewatching it because I'm, I watched season three very, very quickly, and I don't think I ever actually watched all season four. Um, mm. I know, I know, I know. I'm doing it now. Just, just give me time. Um, <laughs> but um, 
you know, one of the things that he kind of talks about, though, is he talks about how the people that he, you know, went through training with and everything, the people that he was part of, the people he was with, he saw the things that the guys that he was fighting did to them. And he was the only survivor against all the uh, the uh, Lasats, the, um, which is what Zeb is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where he you start to kind of you almost sympathize with him because of that, even though, you know, in the back of your head, you're like, OK, well, they weren't Imperial. So they were probably like taking over the planet, which they were. But you like you said, you you know, Callus isn't a horrible human being the entire time. Like he's not like trying to like I mean, he's not trying to like steal and torture Grogu like, like Moff Gideon, you know, or, or something <laughs> like that, you know, Um and that's kind of the that's kind of the interesting thing. It it remind it reminded me of um, uh, I don't know if you ever seen the movie Gods and Generals. It's a, it's a Civil War film, um, which years later I've now realized is basically Southern propaganda. But at the same time, um, it still has a couple moments in it that are actually really good. One of which is when the two um, there are there are uh, rebel soldiers and Union soldiers on different sides of a creek. And they cross over to share like a cup of coffee um, just in the in the early morning in the early mornings that no one's shooting at each other. They're just kind of it's just kind of a ceasefire moment. And that's what that scene between Callus and Zeb kind of reminded me of. Um, and like you said, it gives you this different kind of idea of both sides of, of that of that battle. Um, obviously, it's a little it's, you know. It gets a bit more interesting later, like I said, with Callus, and I don't want to spoil that for anybody. Um, but but focusing on uh, back to what we're talking about right now, I apologize. Like you said, I you you mentioned that and made me want to get off in that tirade. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, because because you are right, that is something that I think we need to see more of, and I think we might get a little bit more of that in September with the book that we're going to be reading then. Uh, I don't want to spoil that just yet, but who a little bit of intrigue there for you. Um, but, um, but I was so glad you brought up the ante um, because for multiple reasons, one God, like you said, that is such a cool character. Just an interesting, <laughs> like he shows up for three issues. It is Sergeant Krell all over again. It, it is. It, it really is. Three or four <laughs> issues, and it's like, give me the, give me the anti a Star Wars story. Give me that on <laughs> Disney Plus. Like I would watch that entire series. Um, that entire subplot is really interesting. Um, because you get the anti, you get. Um, Inspector Thanoth, who is another really interesting character. Oh, he um, is my dude. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like, it's, I'm telling you right now, we are gonna talk about. Oh yes, Thanoth more by the end of the by the end oh, yes. of this episode because that is because my guy. <laughs> that entire like those there's like four issues where it's all it's all been set up to where like. For I would say I would say two or three issues are basically devoted to almost this like the best way I can describe it is kind of like watching Breaking Bad, where it's like you don't want Vader to be caught um, <laughs> by Thanos, but then at the same time you also don't want Thanos to succeed. Um, it's a little bit different because of course Dean Norris's character in Breaking Bad is a DEA agent, um, but but that's. <laughs> 
But that's kind of the the concept is that you you have this you have this primary character doing something underneath everyone else's noses, and you don't want him to be caught. Only that primary character is also Darth Vader and has the Force. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that that second the second arc just in general because as good as the first one is, I think I like the second one just a little bit better. Um, kind of because it does stray away from all the other characters, it almost strays away into a different area. Um, so much where we see more of the, the, um, I can't remember what they're called, but basically all the cyborgs that Silo has been creating and that Palpatine has been using, um, as well as Inspector Thanos, Afra, the, the, the anti, just talk to me a little bit about that second arc, Al. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> yeah, that second volume of comics is wild. It, it is a wild ride. Um, so yeah, we have um, basically um, where Thanos comes from, and again, Thanos is one of my f- favorite Star Wars characters. I, I love Thanos. Where Thanos comes from is that as a punishment for Vader for having um, flubbed the defense of the Death Star, um, if you will. Um, and for Palpatine, it's just like, hey, you are going to have essentially a handler now, Vader. Like, you used to just kind of be on your own. You used to be just kind of like um, um, your own person who can kind of operate um, on your own outside of any uh, kind of supervision or jurisdiction. Um, that's going to change now. You are going to have a handler um, named Grand General Tag? Tag? It's Toggy. It's Toggy. That's stupid. I'm just saying, Admiral Toggy is his name. That's the worst pronunciation that name could have, but okay. <laughs> Rewatch episode four, man. It, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's so dumb. Okay. Um, um, and so, and so Toggy, I'm not going to call him that. Um, so, um, so he, so he appoints um, a couple of, um, a couple of officers essentially. Um, to basically follow Vader around and report on everything he does, how he handles various situations, um, how he spends his time, essentially things like that. Um, it's basically like that episode of The Office where Pam is tasked with keeping a log of everything that Michael does, um, <laughs> and all and all he does is Bill Cosby impressions. Um, <laughs> except instead, um, he other uh, keeping tags on what everything. Uh, that Vader does, except all that Vader does um, is kill people and then lie about why he met with bounty hunters. <laughs> and so, so there's an analogy for everybody. I'm sure they can connect with. Um, well, uh, the first person who's assigned this um, very unfortunate task, um, he does not last very long. Um, we aren't going to spend any time at all talking about him. <laughs> Darth Vader <laughs> takes care of him real fast, and so sure. instead, um, um, he, he who must not be named instead assigns Thanos uh, <laughs> of this job instead, and Thanos is an OG. I want a, a comic series or a show or something 
just about what Thanoff was up to before he got this job. Um, because Thanoff is the man, right? Mm. So, so, so Thanoff's whole thing is just that, like, he approaches it a totally different way. And he's just like, he's just like, okay, Vader, like, I know you don't want me here. To be honest, I don't really want to be here. These assignments seem kind of uh, below men of our talents, but let's just take care of these assignments and we can both get back to, uh, can get back to what we're the best at. Um, and that'll be that. And Thanoff, as Vader gradually learns, Thanoff's really good at his job. Yeah. Um, and Thanoff is like, kind of like, um, he's like, if Sherlock Holmes was like a fascist, like, <laughs> like Thanoff, Thanoff is an empire man, like all the way through. He, he loves the empire. He believes in the empire. Um, and he's also just like a genius as well. Um, and so, so Thanoff and Vader are given this task. Um, where, um, hey, this fortune that was, um, that was appropriated by the Empire from this kind of rogue crime syndicate, um, that Vader had been tasked with taking out, um, that fortune has been stolen. And, um, they want Vader, and by extension, Hanoff, to figure out, um, who stole it, what happened to it, and things like that. Um, unbeknownst to the Imperials, but is announced to the reader, is that um, is that Vader and Afra kind of crafted that whole thing uh, with their own team of hired bounty hunters, so that Vader and Afra basically have their own small f- f- fortune to operate with. Um, and so the further Thanoff gets to figuring out what happened to it, the closer he gets to discovering Vader and his relationship with Aphra and his and his um, underhandedness with healing and evading the Empire and things like that. So it's kind of a game of cat and mouse. Um, Don't forget bosses there too, by the way. It's kind of a game of cat and mouse. <laughs> Um, for a while Um, there are a lot of great bounty hunters there there's Bosk there's Black Christanton makes an appearance as well Um, there's an IG droid um, and it's red and I don't know why but seeing a red IG droid was just kind of like oh I like this one like he's fancy agreed (laughs) like like, cool I like this IG droid Um, I don't know why he's just red as opposed to all the others, but this one's cool. Um, but um, yeah, and so you have this going on. Vader has tasked Afro with using their newfound f- fortune to talk to the ante, get information from him about um, about what happened um, to Padme. And so there's like a a little side quest type thing where Afro goes interrogates um, a mortician on Abu who performed on uh, the autopsy and on the preparations um, for Padme after she died. She gets information from him about how Padme had a child and things like that. 
Um, shout out to that mortician um, because that man was a badass as well. Um, yeah. and, and even after, right. <laughs> even after being tortured by a sadistic um, protocol droid, he still did not give her all the information he could have. Um, that guy kicks ass. Uh, (laughs) that guy was awesome um and so you get into more and more this game of cat and mouse and fanoff gradually figuring out like oh we need to go and talk to the auntie because the auntie knows what's going on oh the auntie told us that um it's this person um and we have to chase after them all the while um vader is just like I need to figure out a way to manage this. I need to figure out a way to also still try to be keeping tabs on these other um, androids and cyborgs that Silo has made to possibly replace me one day. That whole thing is going on. It's a jam-packed volume. There's a lot going on. But you never really feel lost um which is really impressive when you have um just like six issues of a comic trying to cover all these different characters the vast majority of them brand new and trying to like uh to get you acclimated to them um you don't ever feel lost everything feels like it follows a pretty um reasonable logical series of events which is kind of fun because you kind of get to figure things out along with Hanoff. And so you start to kind of put things together and see where um, the lines are intersecting and connecting with each other um, as you get shown more and more of the background information. So um, it's, just, it's just really well done. Um, and, you know, this kind of like political game of cat and mouse isn't really something we've been exposed to a lot um, in Star Wars stuff. So it was a really cool way to kind of tell that story. Yeah, like, excuse me. That's kind of the, like, that was, like, honestly, my my biggest takeaway from rereading this was how how intricate and how interesting that story was. Um, And also, once again, kudos to Kieran Gillen and Salvador Roca. We can't say enough good things about them for being able to it's difficult managing that many characters in a comic. Um, <laughs> it like it like it, it it genuinely is, and and you can you can go read a couple a couple of like event comics, like like where they have a lot of characters. You'll start to notice that the ones that focus on like a smaller group are the better ones because mm. once you start getting too many characters, then randomly. Um, Aquaman disappears halfway through Dark Side War, and you're like, I don't know where where he went. <laughs> um, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is, is like with this, you have basically seven, eight primary characters that you're really trying to follow, and especially if you include Admiral Toggy. Um and um, it's dumb. It's dumb to say his name. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that all of them are very, they're very complex. They're very nuanced. Every single one of them has a, a different goal. And they have their own way about doing it. 
And what's really interesting is that maybe two of them are not affiliated with technically the same side. And that is what that is what makes this interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I think there's a I don't want to call it a stereotype, but a um a possibility, we'll go with that, of basically making every Imperial character Tarkin, pretty much. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. or, or or a very or a, a variant of him. And I think one of the most interesting things that you can do is show that they are all so very different. Um, although you may dislike Toggy, um, or at least his name, um, one of the interesting things about him is that he hated the Death Star, which is what goes back to A New Hope. He's the one to talk about against the Death Star. Um, and because he, he believes that everything should have been put into a fleet, and into a full fleet instead. And that's interesting, particularly when you have 13 other people sitting around that table who are like, dude, the Death Star's great. Like, we can we can blow up literally any planet we want to. Like, you know, and when they're able to make, to bring those things out and really dive into those characters, that's what makes these comics interesting. Um, and that's what makes these stories work so well. Um, and, and, and you're right. I mean, here here's the thing. The mortician who prepared Padme for her funeral at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Of all the characters I could possibly name that I wanted to know more about, <laughs> the mortician who 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 prepared Padme for her funeral was not one of them. Um, but here's the thing: you're absolutely correct. Like that that entire issue was really interesting to me because. Like, not only do you get, I mean, he knows that there's two of them out there, and he hides Leia basically, um, because he refuses to betray Padme, and and that's such an interesting. I think I think that's one thing that they really nail with with a lot of the stuff that they've done post, um, really post the prequels, because uh, because Obi- the Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus does it does it as well, um. But they have solidified that Padme was beloved by everyone around her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think if if there is a bes- besides uh, not keeping Anakin and Obi Wan together enough in the prequels, I think if there is a one singular issue that I would say about the prequels is that in Revenge of the Sith, Padme has very little to do, um, and in Revenge of the Sith, you don't get to see. And really, you don't get to see it a whole lot in Attack of the Clones because they cut out a lot of the scenes with her and her and her family and her the rest of the people on Naboo. Um, you don't get to see the love that people had for Padme enough. Um, and I know, of course, the prequels had a lot to do. I, I get that. I'm not trying to. Mm. I don't mean to turn this in, into into a prequel bashing by any means because I there's a lot of good things about the prequels, but that is one thing that I think they definitely. I think they could have done better, but since then, I think they that the Star Wars in general has done a really good job of solidifying kind of the behind the scenes, like in between the se- in, be- in between the pages and and stuff like that. Of Padme was genuinely someone that changed the entirety of Naboo. Basically, um, Padme is someone who brought peace between the Gungans and the, and, the, and the Naboo. Padme is someone who was beloved for years by by the people of Thede 
and only became a senator um, not only because he wanted to continue supporting her people, but because when the queen uh, – when she stepped down and the next queen took over, which I don't know how that monarchy works, um, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> um, who's to say? Queen, who's to say? <laughs> um, but when she steps down and queen uh, – I think Gemma is her name – takes over, he specifically asked her to stay. Um and that's, you know, that's something that that these stories and particularly, you know, that man is the first that is the first time that I remember thinking about Padme as that kind of person. Because um, I think a lot of times you look at I think a lot of times I, I, I viewed the prequels and I viewed a lot of the different characterizations in them as at face value, because in fairness, that's kind of what they're meant for uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. But I think that's really the strength of a lot of these stories that they've done since Disney took over. Yeah, I'm going to say it, where they have basically been solidifying that the world of Star Wars as a whole was a lot bigger. And that a lot of the, a lot of these characters that we already thought meant a lot meant even more than what we thought. Um, and, and I think Padme is a primary example of that. This entire story, I think Padme is just as strong of a character in these comics, even though she is a, she is gone, I think she is a strong character in these comics as anyone else that shows up. Um, we're not going to end up talking about it, unf unfortunately, but the best issue of this entire run is Darth Vader number 24. Um, which, Al, I don't know if you remember that one that well at the top of your head, but that's the one, and I know because of course you're reading trades, that's the one where it's basically Anakin going through the entirety of his, the entire history of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, and the different points where he could have turned and could have changed everything. Um, and has one of the most brutal um, quotes I've ever read in a Star Wars comic where um, Obi he's thinking back to Obi-Wan saying, you were my brother, Anakin, I loved you. And Anakin looks back and says, if you loved me, you would have killed me. And it's like, oh, God. Like, like that's the, you know, like I was saying earlier about, you know, like this is the first time I really viewed Vader as, you know, Vader the human, as, as Anakin, you know? And so that's, that's, that part just brought it home. Um, but yeah, that's just, God, I love these comics. I love them so much. Um, but yeah, so. I've been trying to figure out what my pick would be for this next question. I was going to ask you, and mm -hmm. we have asked it for, we have asked, we have asked it for a lot of different, um, for a lot of different characters, a lot of different, a lot of different stories. Um, we did it in bounty hunter, which I think, I think we, we might need to, or at least I don't remember us talking about it in a bounty hunter, but what was the hypest moment for you in this comic? Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot of really awesome stuff that happens in this. Um, the um, it's not my choice um, for the hypest um, part of the comic, but um, I uh, I do want to bring up the part um, where where the auntie is about to spill the beans about Doctor Afra. Um, during the big firefight that's mm -hmm. going on, um, and Vader just ever so subtly redirects a blaster fire to 
um, a blaster bolt to sh- to shoot the ante in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> before he before he tells them who Doctor F is, <laughs> um, that was like, God, that part was so cool. <laughs> Just like, as somebody who loved the ante and was kind of sad that like we don't get any more um, um, stuff about him going forward, uh, that part was just really nice. But um, I'm going to give it to um, this one scene where it ended up, it's great because this scene um, ended up just kind of being like a side note in the greater story that's in volume two, when um, it was kind of the thing that like um, that Vader and Thanos' success kind of hinged on (laughs) um, in the end. But um, but um, Vader and Thanos um, decide to go after this band of rebels who are like just really good at being rebels. Um, uh, they're called the Plasma Destroyers, I think. Uh, plasma, um, plasma Devils, I think. Plasma Devils, yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, which is a great name. Um, oh my god. Um, and so they're just like this this elite rogue group of rebels um, who are really good at what they do. Um, and Thanos and Vader, um, at the end of the story, decide to go after them. Uh, and Vader kind of redirects Thanos away from chasing after Aphra um, instead to go um, and wipe out the re- these rebels who are, call- who are causing the Empire a lot of trouble. Um, and so they go do that. And... That part of the story is really short. You don't really see Vader do a lot of stuff. But there's a part where one of the pilots of the Plasma Devils is um, flying away. And is just like, let's go. Let's live to fight another day, boys. Let's go. Um, and Vader just like very casually sees this, um, sees <laughs> this starfighter flying away. And just casually just throws his lightsaber at it. Um, and it hits the engine and destroys the ship. And he just like very calmly calm, calls his lightsaber back to him and just kind of like holsters it <laughs> and just says, There is no escape. And that's such a good Vader moment in general because like taking out this band of rebels is just not a big deal to him at all. Yeah. Um, it's just like a happy coincidence that they happen to find where these rebels are. Um, but that's super hype just because of how cool and enchalant Vader is about it. But also, throwing your lightsaber is such a cool move <laughs> that we don't really see super often <laughs> in, like, in like the shows or... The, or um, or the movies or anything like that. We mm. see Yoda throw his lightsaber um, on Coruscant in Revenge of the Sith, uh, which is really cool because he like throws his and then like uses the force to like throw back a bunch of clone troopers and then jumps onto the guy he threw his lightsaber at and takes it out of his chest. Um, I'm not a big fan of like you know, um, the version of Yoda who's just like, you know, blood makes the grass grow, kill, kill, kill. Um, but, <laughs> but that lightsaber throw was really tight. Um, and then, not to spoil any shows that may or may not be coming out at the time of this recording, uh, but there's a recent scene 
uh, where somebody also throws a lightsaber and recalls it, which is really cool. But um, I don't know, man. The throwing of a lightsaber and calling it back is just—it's just one of the coolest things the Jedi can do. Well, and like, I wish we saw it do, more because right? it's so cool. But um, oh yeah, that's my um, choice. I think just, just that nonchalant destruction of an escaping starfighter, um, dropping the line "There is no escape" and just like calmly recalling his lightsaber is pretty high. That that is a that is a fantastic pick. That 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 is a great one. You you know who is the first person to throw their lightsaber, right? In Star Wars. No, help me out here. Darth Vader. Oh, oh yeah, hell, hell yeah, dude. Jedi. He throw he throws it at him to uh, to hit the rafter and then knocks Luke down that way. Yeah, he's so cool. Yeah. He he is so cool. <laughs> he's so cool, man. I love Darth Vader. We should do a couple more episodes about him. He's pretty cool. We should. We totally should. <laughs> um, so, so my hypest moment, okay, and I'm, I'm a nerd about these things, as you well know. Um, when it comes to, and and it's something that I that I think the later comics they couldn't really match. But I think it's more so because this was the first time that they were back at Marvel for the since like 87, 88, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the openings to these comics are all so cinematic, even to the point where the opening has a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the full page spread of the title of the the title of the uh, book. And then there is a crawl. There's a crawl after it. Mm-hmm. So when when I see that, when I read those things, you know, I hear the music in my head, basically, um, you know, and then and then it's, you know, and in my head, the camera slowly pans down to the opening scene, you know, um, in this ca- in this case, in this book, we get um, Darth Vader going to see his old friend Jabba the Hutt, you know, yeah. just, you know, going go to hang out with Jabba, you know. One one of the one of the guys who uh, you know was enslaving a bunch of people on his home planet, you know. Um, but what's interesting is that it has a lot of parallels to the to when Luke shows up at Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, but in like a completely different way, <laughs> um, because whereas Luke, you know, does do the force choke on the Gamorrean guards, we don't know if they live or not, or if he was just doing that to get them out of the way. Oh, there. You think you think Luke is a straight up murking them? <laughs> oh, they're dead. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's gonna kill all those other people in the palace, but he's gonna take it easy on the two Gamorrean guards. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair point. Okay, yeah. All right. So yeah. So Luke's just saying, you know, you know, screw it. Just he's knocking people out. Well, Vader, Vader doesn't give them a chance. Like at least with the Gamorrean guards, like they get to hold up their their uh, their viber axes or whatever vader's like nope i got a lightsaber you guys are done um and it's also it's the first time that we get to see it's the first time that we get to see lightsabers drawn by salvador la roca which is really interesting and really cool mm-hmm. um because i don't know if you noticed this but like the way that he does so so the the way the lightsabers are drawn a lot of times they have this i this idea of it's an energy weapon, so there's energy still staying within the air behind it. Um, and a lot of people do this as, like, basically making it look like it's almost, um, 
like a geometric shape like behind it like it's slowly like fading but you, you still see the blade but like it's fading behind it Laroco, i like his version a little bit better because while he's doing that it's almost like there's like a grid behind it um and i know this sounds weird but look up some of his art do, al do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah I know okay so so look up some of his art on on darth vader and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There's this, like, grid that is behind it that is symbolizing how how the saber is moving. And it's really, really interesting. Um, but just, like, those, those first, like, eight pages are a very, like, just cinematic experience, which is weird to say because you're reading a comic. <laughs> but that's the best way I can describe it. Um it's when um, uh, Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande's Black Widow or Tom Taylor and Bruno, Bruno Redondo's Nightwing. Th- those are the books that come to my mind when I think of cinematic storytelling within a comic. Um, because they're things where y- if you put music behind it and you did like stop motion with it, it would just look like a movie. Um, this it, that, that scene right there, that opening – is the exact same way, even to the point where it's all leading up to Jabba the Hutt agreeing to Darth Vader because Darth Vader is literally force choking him because um, and refusing to stand on the rank over the Rancor pit, which I also love. Um, sends a dude down there like the Rancor is going to eat, but he's not going to get Darth Vader, um, which probably wouldn't be that good because like half of him is like is like a, a robot. But, y- y- you know, anyways. Um, the rank was probably not picky uh, on second thought, but the, but the point is, <laughs> he would probably point, try it. He would probably, probably try, try some barbecue sauce like, on his chicken like, tenders. Like. I, I don't know. You know, may, maybe this is good. Um, but the point is, the point of what I'm getting at, though, just that opening scene sets the tone for just who Vader is so well of just this indomitable force. That if he wants something, he is going to get it. Um, which sets it up perfectly to where the one thing he cannot get is Luke Skywalker and the rest of the Rebel Alliance. Because that's how powerful and that's how awesome Luke and Leia and Han and everyone else is. Um, that's what makes that's what makes this comic so interesting to me. And that's why that opening is just so uh, – I get hype every time I read it. I, I really do. Um, I was rooting it today, and I and and I was going to I was gonna skim, you know, and just get like like bullet points. But then I was like, no, I gotta read this entire this entire first issue. Just it's because it's so well done. Um, so yeah, that that opening that opening is is my pick um, for for the hypest moment. Um, another really cool parallel, um, which is fun, and 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 was a close contender for for hypest moment. But then the more I thought about, it, I was like, no, that opening is what is what grabbed me. Um, Afra's uh, first appearance is a almost like an inversion of the opening to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> yeah. um, which is which is great because like this this Polis Masson uh, little 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 dude um, is is like you know you know the things that you're stealing you know you know should should belong in a museum or an art house and then she goes it should belong it belongs in an armory which <laughs> i just i love it so much it's so perfect um 
and it sets up her characterization so well. She, the reason she loves all these old, even to the to the newer comics done by Alyssa Wong, which fantastic by the way. Um, the reason she loves all this older technology and a lot of these things is she's amazed half of it still runs and is still like functional. Which, in fairness, you know, when you think when you think about it within Star Wars, you're like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense, but. If we hooked up a rotary phone right now, which is like 80 years old, it would do nothing. But, you know, he's finding stuff. It's more than 80. I don't know where I'm at. Um, but <laughs> but he's looking at things that are like hundreds to thousands of years old. And they still are able to, you know, like do everything that they're supposed to do. And he's amazed by that in a lot of ways. Um, and that's that. I just I love that opening for her. That, that that's a that's my second hypest moment is 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 Afra's intro. Um, so so yeah. yeah. Um, Al, I am I am assuming I am going to make the assumption, and I'm assuming it's going to be this way pro- throughout the rest of this summer. But I am assuming that this is is part of your grand canon. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> for any um, for anybody out there. You know, this is your first episode of the show. Oh, yes, excuse um, me. We always discuss if the material we're discussing, um, if we're talking about, uh, if it fits into our grand canon, which is like our head canon of what we personally pick and choose from Oda new canon um, uh, materials for Star Wars. Um, so, um, I mean, like, I can't imagine a world where this isn't in my grand canon um like i said this run in general um is just so good it adds so much to to the world of star wars it adds so much to these characters it fleshes out characters that like um like palpatine who a majority of the time i don't even care about and it makes me actually interested (laughs) in what they have going on um and i mean it's just at the end of the day, um, you know, we engage with stuff like Star Wars for a lot of, of different reasons. Um, it can be a source of comfort and familiarity to us. Um, um, it could be something whose characters we relate to and connect with. Um, it can be very inspiring and kind of encouraging um, the stories that are being told. Um at the end of the day, um, I really think that while all of those things are important and are essential to understanding and enjoying Star Wars, I really do think for a lot of people, um, fans love Star Wars because it's fun. Um, I mean, it, it just is. Like, yes, it's it's important, and yes, the stories being told are, are classic, relatable human stories and things like that. But um, at the end of the day, like this stuff is just fun. Yeah. It's just it, it's just a ride <laughs> that you can go on and enjoy and get lost in. Um, and like I can think of very few times where I've just had as much fun um, reading stories as I do when I read this run, because you just immediately are able to kind of lose yourself and get so invested in what's going on even even going back and 
and revisiting these as we have done. Like you just get so lost in it and you just kind of sit back and are just like, oh man, this is so cool. Like this is just <laughs> this is just so fun. Like Earth Vader is so like God, he's awful and he's a villain, but he's God, he's so cool. Um, you know, we all have a moment where we are Afra, where she's just like, eh, of course you can. You're Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> and that's what these stories um, are able to do for us, is, is they give us just a host of even more reasons to care about these characters and to get lost in these in these stories and these, these planets and galaxies. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, if you don't, like, I don't know, man. If you're out there, if you don't enjoy these, if these don't get in in your grand canon, then like I don't, I don't understand how you have fun because these things, because these things are just a blast. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's in mine as well. Um, I can't see a point where I would ever think of that scene on Cloud City. Where I'm also not thinking of the first time that he he realizes that that Lucas is son. Um, I, I cannot think of that together, well, or, or separately even. Um, so yeah, no, I, I and I completely agree with you. Like you said, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this this segment, and we wouldn't have been continuing it so so much, and we wouldn't have chosen the books that and stories and comics and games that we have chosen for the rest of this year and stuff that I'm already looking I'm assuming you're already looking at for a year or two I know I am mm-hmm. um, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love this stuff and if it wasn't like you said just fun um, that's something that I think so many people forget about fandom in general um, but especially, especially with Star Wars in recent years, Star Wars, yeah, especially <laughs> Star Wars, man. Like, like people, people focus so much on like what it's supposed to be and what it. Oh, it has to, has to have a case scene. It has to have a lightsaber duel. It has to do this. Has to do that. No, it doesn't. It has to be fun. That that's that's the important part. Um, most of my least favorite Star Wars stuff is stuff that doesn't have fun with 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 what it's doing. Um. And my favorite Star Wars stuff is the ones where you can tell that they were that they were looking at something. They were like, how can we make this cool looking? How can we make this fun? How can we make this enjoyable? Um, You know, how can we make this the most epic finale to a film that we could? Well, what if they were on a mineral planet and like there was just red salt going everywhere, which sounds weirder than what it's going to end up being. But it all (laughs) looks awesome. Like stuff like that is fun and you are absolutely correct. And that's, that's what the entire point of the EU or EU review is. Even if we, I am certain because we have, we haven't really done it yet where there was something that we read that we didn't really like. The closest one was tales of the bounty hunters, which there are parts that I really did enjoy. Um, hashtag four Lama Zuckus forever. Um, five ever, five ever. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but the thing is, is that even when we don't enjoy something, the entire point of, of why we're doing this is because we still love this universe as a whole and this fandom as a whole. Um, and, you know, like I 
I just love Star Wars, man. I just love Star Wars so much, and this and this comic is just perfect for it. It it just is. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't really I don't really have much else to add except for just go read more Star Wars stuff. Um, mm-hmm. um, Al, is there anything that you wish to add before we close? Um, I don't believe so, man. Like, we are. <laughs> I want to emphasize that, like. This is true of like a lot of fandoms right now, but like I think especially for Star Wars, like I would venture to say that right now is like one of, if not the best time ever to be a Star Wars fan. Oh yeah, like the amount, like the amount of content we're getting, the yep. amount of of new stories we're getting the variety in types of entertainment uh, that we're getting like um almost at this point every single month that passes like um it's it's insane um and there's just so much good stuff out there to do and to enjoy and have fun with um uh, these comics included uh these comics are are just wild and and so much fun um that's true of a lot of the stuff that's coming out um not everything is going to be for everybody i'm sure there's somebody out there who who will read these comics and just be like you know they're okay um and that's fine um but like we have a lot of stuff to be grateful for right now as star wars fans um and like i don't know if you're if you're one of the people who just want to sit back and be negative about every single thing that comes out, um, regardless of of its actual quality or regardless of what it's actually trying to do, like if you if you're one of those people, man, then you may just want to kind of take a step back because you know there's just a lot of stuff to be thankful for right now. Like it's it says. It's as good as it's ever been, as far as as far as how good we're eating um, nowadays. Um, so so yeah, man. Just try to f- I like the positive. Try to find these these stories that you can enjoy and and have fun with, because like we know, not everything is going to be for everybody. But like, just try to find something that that is enjoyable for you man because like it's out there and like there's a lot of that <laughs> there's a surplus of stuff out there so just try to f- find something good and just try to not be so negative about things i've just i'm at a weird place this is very off topic and i know that but i'm just in a very weird place with a lot of with a lot of star wars fans who just choose to be unhappy with everything um, and just talking about how much joy these comics and these stories um, are able to provide for us. Like, I don't know, man. Just find something or, or step away. Like, those are, <laughs> those are kind of the options right now. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell people, but yeah. No, I think, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, but, but speaking of Star Wars fun... Real quick, uh, I do want to let everyone know that the the Lego Star Wars um, is about to have a new 
uh, I think it's a summer special, like a summer beach party, I think is what they said, um, on Disney Plus, and it just looks delightful. Uh, if you've never watched any of the Lego Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus, dude, they're just uh, – w- once again, if you like fun Star Wars stuff, if you're there <laughs> just for the fun of it, it's going to be for you because it just ha- it does have a lot of fun. Also, um, adding on to our previous uh, Star Wars podcast that me, Al, and my sister Jenny did, um, it's kind of the best place to find a sequel era uh, products right now because that's the only place they're really putting them. But hey, there, there you go. That's it's something. Um, who? That's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? But, but most importantly, though, it, they are fun to watch. Uh, there, there is some, there is some pretty charming humor and everything in them. Uh, they did a like the Halloween one was a lot of fun because um, it was all about uh, different horror stories that take place in the Star in the Lego Star Wars universe. That's like Tales from Mustafar or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, however. Speaking of enjoying things, guys and Al, next month, I mean, we're, we're moving right along with Hotter Than Mustafar Summer. However, as you know, at the end of this, um, you see that Vader is heading off to, I'm going to call it Vargas Voss, is how you say that planet. Um, that's, yeah. That's and, a good Yeah. Is, is it better than Toggy? <laughs> Have, oh my god, it's a thousand percent better than Toggy. <laughs> um, Toggy sounds like a character they introduced on Sesame Street in 2016 <laughs> and hasn't been seen since. I need I need to rewatch episode four now just to double check and make sure that this that is the hill worth dying on for me. I'm fairly certain that's what they that's what his name is. But anyways, um we see the uh we see Carvin, the Mon Calamari cyborg, which appears to be like General Grievous if he was just a Mon Calamari, which is awesome, by the way, um, is following him to Vargas Voss. Ooh. He's going to be hunting Vader down while Vader is hunting Luke Skywalker. Ooh. And we will see that in August. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> However, <laughs> in the meantime... We are going to be going back in time to a, a storyline much closer to Revenge of the Sith. Uh, whoa! Whoa! Um, <laughs> we're going to be t- looking at the first two volumes of Charles Soule's Darth Vader run from 2017. Um, it's going to be focusing a lot more on Vader and the Inquisitors. It's actually going to be the first appearance of the Inquisitors in, uh, or the uh, Inquisitorious, I think is what they're technically called as a group. Uh, and uh, in comics, and he's also going to be showing a little bit, a little bit more about Sith lore and history, and just some things that I'm really kind of intrigued in because you can. There's a couple things I want to talk about with with old uh, Charles Soule because um, he's he's a very interesting writer, um, and if if his name's on Star, if his name's on something Star Wars, it's worth picking up. Hey Jacob, uh, isn't isn't Charles Soule that guy who who's responsible for writing like? 70% of Star Wars content right now. <laughs> he he is, Al. He absolutely is. He's doing a lot of Star Wars stuff right now. Um, and is going to continue doing more Star Wars stuff. Because that's basically what he's done the last, like, three years is just Star Wars. And honestly, more power to him. I, you know, he's living his best life. And uh, following him on, like, social media and watching him at Star Wars Celebration, you can tell he's just, he's just having a blast. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. 
Um, but uh, but yeah. So we'll be covering that. So if you want to read up before the next month, it is the first two volumes of his run. Um, Al, do you have? I know it covers one through twelve. I think of. Of, of his run. However, Al, do you have the names of those two volumes for those of us looking for trades? Yes, I do. You, and can you double check that it ends at 12? <laughs> yes, I do, you beautiful trollop. Oh. I've got that information right here for you. Um, so these are good. <laughs> so issue-wise, these are going to span um, from number one to number 12 by Charles Soule. Uh, these are the ones that came out in 2017. Um, so they did come out after what we just talked about, but chronologically they take place before. Mm. Um, it can be confusing. But um, yeah, so those volumes, however, are called um, Star Wars Darth Vader. It's kind of a mouthful. Star Wars Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, Imperial Machine. Mm. It's the title of the first one. And the second one, <laughs> yes, um, and the second one, of the trades is called Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, Legacy's End is what those trades are called. Um, these are a lot easier to find at um, comic book shops um, than the older run um, yeah. that we just talked about. So I see these about everywhere I go. So mm -hmm. if you're interested in getting the trades, they should be um, a lot easier to find. The, the single issues... Um... I know two of them will be difficult for you to find because uh, number three will be difficult. I know that because I don't have number three um, because <laughs> it's just it's just hard to find. It's only like a it's like twenty dollars, which isn't that expensive for for a, a single issue with like a, a newer character. Um, but it's, it's the first appearance of this Jedi that shows up in there, and I can't remember his name. It's a, it's a weird name. It's it's weirder than Toggy, um, yeah, but awesome. it's, um. <laughs> um but um, number three is hard to find, and I think number seven or number eight, the first appearance of the Inquisitors is now hard to find due to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Rebels sure. and everything sure. else going on. So those are both going to be kind of hard to f for you to find. However, if you're looking for them on trades or if you have Marvel Comics Unlimited or anything else like that, um, speaking of which, we're not getting any kind of like sponsorship, but dude, if you're trying to follow us with like Star Wars comics – I cannot suggest Marvel Comics Unlimited enough. It's like $10 a month, and they have all the Dark Horse stuff, all the all the Marvel stuff, like the older stuff and the newer stuff. Basically, unless it was done by IDW, which some Star Wars uh, stuff was, it is on that app. Um, and if you're okay reading comics on your phone or on your tablet or whatever, I cannot suggest that app enough for you. Um, but yes, so, once again... Um, now, that being said... Um... Hey, hey, you business people out there! If you, if you do want to sponsor us, um, <laughs> then we are then we are more than happy um, to to hear your proposition. Um, so just just throwing that out there as well. And imagine how much we can plug your services if you pay us. That's all I'm yeah. saying. I'm, I'm already I'm already plugging stuff without even being paid. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so very much. I hope that you all have a wonderful evening. Go read some Star Wars stuff or watch some Star Wars stuff. Just enjoy some Star Wars. And most importantly, hope you remember that not only is Star Wars for everyone, but fandom in general. Fandom is for everyone. Y'all have a wonderful day. We'll see y'all next time.
there is no escape. <laughs>